Good morning. So uh, David's actually set us up really well because we are continuing the game show theme with a game to start off this morning. Um, so uh, I'm going to ask a couple of questions and if you think, so it's like this is like a super, super old game so you can ask some of your parents about it or maybe your grannies and grandas. But there was a show on TV, uh, the, I can't remember what it was actually called, but basically the game is higher or lower. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to show you two countries, they're represented by their flags, and you have to guess which, whether the country on the left, your left, uh, has more Christians or less Christians than the country on the right. Okay, so Tamar, would you put the first one up? So we have the United Kingdom, Great Britain and Northern Ireland, and Spain. So, if you think... There's, if you think Spain has more Christians, put your thumb up. And if you think it has less Christians, put your thumb down. Okay, most people, almost everybody's going down the way. Okay, next slide, Tamar, what's the answer? Correct. I would also just like to say these, these numbers came from Wikipedia, so don't, <laughs> don't come at me if they're not 100% right, they're also rounded. Okay, so 28 million in Spain. Okay, next slide, Tamar. So... Spain, we still have 28 million, and this is South Africa. Do we think higher than Spain or lower than Spain? Higher, lower. Oh, most people are going higher. A few lowers. Okay, let's see the answer. Higher, quite a good bit higher. Well done if you got that right. <laughs> okay, uh, next one for me, if you can. So these are the flags of Australia and New Zealand. So combined, does Australia and New Zealand have more or less than 43 million Christians? Is it more or is it less? What do we think? Okay, I think there's a bit of a mixture, but I think most people are going for less. What's the answer? Yeah, less, a lot less. Okay, what's the next one? So, New Zealand and Australia, more or less than Greece. <laughs> do we think it's more or do we think it's less than 13 million? Oh, it's a wee bit mixed, but I'm seeing, okay, it's completely mixed. This is, this is tying everybody, 50-50. Okay, what's the answer? 10. It's very close. That was a close one. <laughs> okay, what's the next one? So, we have Zambia. Is it more or less than 10 million, do we think? More or less? <laughs> Robert's playing his cards close to his chest, so he's not giving any tips. Most people are saying more, I think. Okay, and the answer? The suspense answer? Yeah. <laughs> Very good. So it's more. Okay, I think we've got two more, do we? Next one. Okay, this is a bit harder. These are much bigger numbers now. Do we have, so Latin America and the Caribbean combined, are there more or less Christians in Europe? Is it higher or is it lower? Okay, a bit of a mix again. This is a bit of a mixed bag one. Nobody's quite sure. Okay, Tamar, give us the answer. 
So, yeah. Not too big a difference? Well, quite a big difference because we're in the millions, aren't we? But <laughs> Okay, I think we're on to the last one. The last one. So, North America, Latin America, the Caribbean and Asia, those countries combined, is there more or is there less in Africa, Oceania, the Middle East and Europe? Is this side, is it higher or is it lower? This, is this side lower than this side? Yeah. Okay, what do we think? Okay, go for it tomorrow. Give us the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Super, thank you. Thank you. So, I couldn't find the statistics on exact numbers of churches because maybe that's a little bit more complicated to, to gather the data on. But this morning we are talking about church. This is our foundational theme is church. And so I just wanted to get us thinking about what church looks like, how spread it is across the world, and how many different countries and how many different people identify as Christians, which make them part of the worldwide church. So the very fact that you're in this room says that you value the church because you came to be here this morning. So that's a good start. We're on a good, we're on a good start that we all show at least some value towards what church is. But why is church valuable? What is it? What does the Bible say about it? And what does Jesus have to say about it? So what's the first things you think of when I say the word church? Maybe, if you put the first picture up, Tamar, it's a building. Maybe it's a gathering of people. Maybe it's a dinner table. Maybe it's a hospital. What about a field? No? Or a bride? No? Or a sheep? No? So what do these things have to do with church? <laughs> So ecclesia is the Greek word, and Greek was the language that most of the New Testament was written in. And it's a word that we translate to be church. So in the Gospels, Jesus is only recorded using the word church twice, only two times. But Jesus talks a lot in the Gospels. A lot of what Jesus has said is recorded. And there's so many things he talks about, but one of the things he does talk a lot about is the kingdom of God, and he talks about that over 90 times. So what does that mean? And was church or the ecclesia not important to him? Do you think because he only mentioned it two times, that means it wasn't important? Hmm, well, let's find out. I don't think it's true. So the word ecclesia has been around long before Jesus and long before people started using it to mean church. It was used back in, back in Jewish times, it was used to describe an assembly of people. So there was three important institutions or structures in the Jewish time. One of them was the synagogue, and that's where people met to read the Torah, or, or, which is part of our Old Testament, and their holy, holy word. There was the temple, where people offered sacrifices, where the priests were, and where God's 
presence dwelt, and there was the ecclesia, where people gathered to debate and have conversation and to discuss the things that were going on in the world. So one of the times Jesus uses the word ecclesia is in Matthew 16, and he's asking his disciples who people say he is. So it says, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, Peter, you are the rock I will build my church upon, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So Jesus was going to use Peter to build his church. So similarly, how we use church, ecclesia could describe a place where people went to gather, but most of the time it was describing the people who were gathering together. So while Jesus might not have used the specific word church or ecclesia, he actually spoke a lot about people. He spent a lot of his time talking about his people and the people who make up the church. So as we saw at the start, we saw that there's many, many Christians all across the world and theologians, the people who study the Bible, they talk about the visible and the invisible church. So the visible church is this right here, the people you can see, you can touch, um, the people that you live with and that you do life with and that you meet with regularly. And the invisible church is the big, massive, worldwide church that we can't even quite wrap our heads around because those numbers are so massive. I don't think I can quite imagine how many people that is. But it's such it's a huge thing and the church spreads all across the world into all different corners but we are all united together in Jesus because we are his church so Jesus often uses metaphors to help us understand things so he uses an example to help us understand something a bit better so let's go back to the picture of the field can you do that tomorrow So when I put this up, some of you said, well, that's not the church, didn't you? You said that, that you didn't think of that as the church, right? Um, could you put the picture up with the grapes? So this is a really specific type of field. This field is a vineyard, and in the vineyard, they grow grapes. So in, math, sorry, in John 15, Jesus uses a metaphor to teach us about what it is to be part of the church. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the true vine and my father is the keeper of the vineyard. So as with each of our foundations, we started at the very start, Neville started us off with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And last week, as we looked at the Bible, Neil brought us there as well, that the Bible is all about pointing us towards Jesus. And just like that, the church is all about pointing us towards Jesus. Through Jesus, we can know God and know him as our loving Heavenly Father. And in our gathered times, when we gather together as church, we can encounter Jesus in a new and a fresh way, and we can know him more closely. It's in Jesus, when we're united with him, that even when we come together in a group of people like this that would maybe have no other reason to come together, who have different backgrounds, different jobs, go to different schools, we have different families and different life experiences, but no matter how different we are, we all, and no matter how much our personalities might not match up, we all have Jesus in common. 
and the church is the foundation because we are all growing and learning and getting to know and trying to become more like Jesus together. We gather and we worship and we read the word and we learn and grow together as part of God's family. The Bible also talks about Jesus as, or sorry, also talks about us as a temple for the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. And when we are living, when we are living and breathing his word, we too can have the Holy Spirit. So for a long time, God's presence was in a specific place. Back in the, in the early days in the Old Testament, it was in a tent, a very special tent that they were instructed to build and to make, and it moved around as the people traveled in the wilderness, the tent moved around with them, and God's presence was in the tent. And then, years later, King Solomon built a massive temple, which was a physical structure, like some of the big cathedrals and churches that we see today. He built this massive structure where God's presence could permanently dwell in one place. And then Jesus came to earth, and he was preparing his disciples for what would come after his death and after his resurrection. He promised he would send a helper, which we read about in Acts. He sent the Holy Spirit. And so instead of God dwelling in just one place, in one building, he now dwells in us in the Holy Spirit. We have become the temple, for we are the temple of the living God, just as God said. I will dwell in them and I will walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. We, the church, are God's dwelling place. Now, I also put up a picture of a bride and some of you shook your head at that one as well, didn't you? You said, nah, the church isn't a bride. That's just silly. But actually, Jesus calls us his bride. God calls us his bride. And that's a bit of a funny thing, isn't it? Because some of you are not going to be brides, right? You're going to be grooms. So what does that mean? Well, in the Old Testament, Jesus made a covenant or a promise to Abraham that his people could have a relationship with God and that God would always, always, always be faithful to them, that he would be faithful to the children of Israel and even when the children of Israel disobeyed and when they turned away from God and when they were unfaithful to him, he always was faithful to him. So just like when a man and a woman or when a couple get married and they make a promise to be together and to live together and to have a family together, just like that, God promised, so just like the bride getting ready to go down the aisle and make those promises, God promised that he would have those relationships with us, that he would always be faithful to us, always pursue us, and that even when we mess up, even when we get it wrong, he is always willing to forgive us. And he even sent Jesus so that we could be forgiven and that he could redeem us. And so Jesus died for his bride for his church. And not only that, but he continues to care for us, continues to give us gifts, and one day we will be united back with him. So the other image that some people laughed at was the sheep. And what's the church got to do with being a sheep? I can't see any sheep in this room. Yeah? The Lamb of God? Yeah. Well, Jesus, yeah. Jesus is called the Lamb of God, yeah. So that's one of the ways it's to do with a sheep. But Jesus also said... I am the good shepherd, and you are my sheep. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. 
Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Like sheep following the shepherd, they follow him to the green pastures and the still waters and the, the places where they can get food and protection and safety. And sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes the roads to get to those nice places are hard and they're bumpy and they're narrow and they, ha they make us have to, to climb or walk on uncomfortable ways. But that's why we need, we need our church family. That's why we need the whole flock gathered together so that we can journey through those times through the good times, the bad times, the fun times, the hard times, we can encourage each other to keep our eyes on Jesus, no matter what else is going on around us. And each of us as church is responsible for doing that. It's not just those who have leadership roles or uh, who people think are in charge, but each of us can encourage one another. Each of us can pray for one another. No matter what's going on, we can be a uh, family together as we support one another as we walk this journey together. So what does all of this mean about the church? What do all of these pieces mean about the church? Tamara, would you put that very last image that I sent you up? What? Yeah. <laughs> so this is a very old movie. I don't know if any of you are recognizing it. But if I said, I am Spartacus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in the movie, this uh, the character Spartacus um, is the the enemy or the other soldiers are trying to capture Spartacus because they've done something that he's, or he's done something they're not happy with. And to protect him, his friends stand up at the same time and say, no, I am Spartacus and I am Spartacus. And so there's multiple people standing up saying they're Spartacus. So what does that have to do with the church? Well, everybody in this room could stand up and say, I am the church. And it doesn't matter what age you are, little Alex, if he could speak, could say, I am, I am the church, up to our oldest member. Each person in this room makes up the church. Jesus also talks about the church as being a body. So our bodies have so many parts. We have fingers, we have organs, we have muscles, we have bones. And just as the different parts of our bodies need to work together to make our bodies function well, we the church, we God's people, have to keep healthy and work together to keep the church working well too. And most of that comes down to how we serve one another. So there's plenty of ways to practically serve. You heard David saying that we need youth leaders, we need helpers there. We've got the girls at the back on screen. We have people doing visual and audio and speaking and serving tea and coffee. There's so many ways that you can serve the church. Um, and even before summer, we spent some time looking at the fivefold ministry and how each of us have different gifts. And maybe that did help you identify your gift, but maybe you're still thinking, well, I don't know what my specific gifting is. Well, ultimately, sometimes it just is about taking a step and serving. So where is there need? Where do you see a need that maybe you could help out with? Maybe it's spending time with other people. Maybe you're really good at that. Maybe you're good at encouraging people and so you can meet people for coffee because that's a way of serving the church. Maybe you're good at cleaning. You can come and clean. That's a way of serving the church. There's so many different ways, but sometimes I think we wait until it seems, until there's maybe like the perfect thing that we would be perfect at to do before we start serving. And actually, I think God really wants us to just get involved, to get stuck in. And whether that looks like something that you love doing or whether it's something you hate doing, but you want to do it because you know there's a need actually I think God values that in us and over the years that I've been part of church um, almost all 28 years of my life <laughs> I have been involved in probably well I'm not going to say every area but most areas I think I've spent some time serving in um, 
and if I'm honest, there's things that I've loved and there's things that I've um, chugged through and got through and done because it needed done. Um, and I would like to say that I always did it with a really gracious heart, but that probably wasn't the case either. Uh, but looking back, in hindsight, you know, they say hindsight's 2020. We get a clearer perception of what's gone past. But I, um, in those seasons where I've been doing things that maybe just aren't quite so natural to me or don't quite come so easily to me, actually, I've found a closeness with God. Because God wants, God can use those moments to fill in our inadequacies. He uses those moments to fill in where we lack, where we struggle. God has the opportunity to come and to be alongside us. And we, can, we are more likely to turn to him when it's something that we're not very good at. Because when we find it easy, we can sometimes do it in our own strength without acknowledging God, without asking for his help. But when we need his help, we uh, turn to him quicker. And so sometimes that's a great way to engage with God. And actually, it's sometimes where we learn more about who we are when it's not something that comes so naturally. We can learn more about who we are and maybe where we would be a better fit in the future when there's an opportunity to do that. And sometimes the challenge actually with church is that we encounter the church before we encounter Jesus. If you grew up in church, that's probably the case for you. You encountered the people of God before you encountered God. And sometimes we're a bit ugly. <laughs> sometimes we're a bit messy. And sometimes we do things where we don't mean to cause pain and we don't mean to hurt people. But sometimes that happens as being part of family. And so ultimately, we want our focus to be on Jesus. And we want to think the best of those around us. And that maybe they've done something wrong or maybe they've hurt us or maybe something's happened. But ultimately, those people are just trying to be more like Jesus, just as we're trying to be more like Jesus. And so... Even when we have these divisions, even when we have moments of struggle or tension, ultimately we want to bring it back to Jesus and that we're here to serve Jesus. We're here for him. And even if you don't get the recognition for cleaning the floors or even if you don't get the recognition from the people around you for what you think you've been doing, God sees all of it. And the church, is, as Jesus intended, is a place to serve one another, not just to be served. And through serving one another, we reveal God's love and his character. I just noticed the time, so I'm going to not read the whole verse that I was going to read. But just to finish this off, just to kind of ground it um, in where we were. Uh, in John 13, there's a story of Jesus just before the Passover meal. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And he finishes this time by, saying, by giving his disciples a new commandment. It says in verse 34, A new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So by washing his disciples' feet, this is like the lowest, the smelliest, the stinkiest job. Now, can you imagine, boys, after you've played a big game of football, imagine asking somebody to wash those smelly feet for you. <laughs> I wouldn't fancy it for sure. But that's what Jesus was doing. These, these men, they would have worn sandals and they'd have been walking through the muddy, muddy ground and probably some animal poo and all that yuckiness that would have been on the ground and that would have been all over their feet. And yet Jesus knelt before them put on, a, robe, put on a, a towel around him, and he washed their feet. So Jesus rose from the table, a place of rest and comfort. 
Just as he rose from his place with his Father in heaven, Jesus laid aside his garments, just as he laid aside his glory. He took the towel and put it on himself, and he came to earth to serve. He poured the water into the basin, just as he poured himself out to cleanse us from our sin. Jesus gives us the perfect example of what it is to serve. And so often we, we want other people to tell us what it is to serve, where we can serve. But sometimes actually it's just seeing a need and taking a step and filling that need. Jesus commanded the disciples and us to love one another. We see Jesus as we love one another. They see Jesus as we love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. Love is the identifying mark of the church, of God's people, of his sheep, of his bride, of his church. And so for me, I, um, I suppose I find this quite a difficult morning to prepare for. And one of the reasons is because I love the church. And I think if you, um, it's something that I'm really passionate about is God's people, God's family, and building that family. And so there's so much that we can talk about. The church is such a huge topic. There's so much we can talk about. But what's really special, I suppose, about this whole process, about this whole um, series that we're going through, is this is just the beginning of the conversation. This is just me kicking off the conversation so that hopefully throughout your week, you'll have a chance to chat more about this. We'll be able to talk more about it. You're welcome to grab me for a coffee. Like Neil said, I'll happily chat about the church for hours and hours on end. Um, and so let me just finish with this. Um, I was brought up in church and I have served the church and God has given me a real love for his church. Um, and it's not always easy. It is messy. Church is messy because people are involved and people are messy and there's lots of things that make that challenging. But ultimately, we want to keep our eyes on Jesus because it's Jesus that we're all trying to become more like. It's Jesus that we're here to serve. It's Jesus that we're here to worship. It's all about Jesus. We are his church. We are his bride. And we can be united with one another by our love for God because we are the church. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this time. God, we thank you for each person that's here, that's, that's gathered together with us, for those who are listening online as well. God, we thank you that you gave us this precious gift that is your church, that we get to be part of it. And God, this morning we choose afresh to commit ourselves to your church. We choose to commit ourselves to being part of your church, to serving your church, to loving your church, and to thinking the best of your church. And so, God, we thank you for, for all that you have done this morning. We thank you for how you um, have been with us and that your presence has been with us. And, God, we thank you for this time. God, we thank you for each person in the room. And I pray if, if there's people here who have hurt and pain from the church, God, we ask just that your healing would minister to them. Where people have been disillusioned, where people have felt anger and frustration, God, I pray just that you would move and that you would reveal yourself afresh to them. So yeah, Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for um, your goodness and for your love towards us. And thank you that we get to be part of this amazing thing that is the church. In Jesus' name.
Amen.